Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Shares for beginners. And I tell the story of there was a professor 3,000 kilometers away in Colorado who was particularly shocked because it was a guy called Professor um, Stephen Greenspan who had just published a book on avoiding scams. And what shocked him when it was the fact that he was actually invested in, in Bernie Madoff's um, scheme. And so with, with great humour, he, he, he wrote a, a, an article later um, saying how I got scammed by Bernie Madoff. Um, so it's, and I, I throw that story in because it just shows that uh, as humans, we, we are vulnerable to these things, even the people that are experts on it. G'day and welcome back to Shares for Beginners. I'm Phil Muscatello. My guest today believes that the tools and levers to enable personal finance have never been better, simpler, cheaper or more accessible, which we cover a lot here on the podcast and um, we just wanted to hammer that point home. Particularly here in Australia, g'day David. Welcome g'day. to the podcast. G'day Phil, good to be here. So David Scollin has spent 25 years in the finance industry and recognises the challenges people face with personal money management. He's just published his book, Mission Possible, Four Steps to Financial Independence on Any Income. But we also just wanted to focus a little bit about your day job, because like all of us, we've got a day job as well. And you're an asset consultant with Jana. Jana, is that how it's pronounced? That's right. Jana Investment Advisors. So tell us, what's an asset consultant do? An asset consultant basically helps the big institutions that are investing money on behalf of millions of people. So like insurance companies, super funds, charities, endowments. And we help them with everything to do with the investing side. Um, So just like a financial planner helps an individual or mums and dads, asset consultants help the big institutions that are investing money and uh, across lots of different things. So uh, regarding different asset classes, Mm -hmm. um, where to be investing the money within the asset classes, different managers, and also thematics like sustainability and, and regulation. So uh, yeah, so it's it's interesting. So I, I, that's I, I, interesting. I've been in both the institutional world now, um, but I've also been in the retail world um, initially as a financial planner, um, which has really helped um, form the book. So, so this is like a, a financial planner for big institutions. Is that kind of how it works? Yeah, exactly. In yeah. A way, yeah, except with a focus on the investing side. When I think of asset consulting, I kind of think, well, it seems to imply in my mind that it's asset allocation and also definition of, of those assets. Although I'm assuming you don't need to define those, <laughs> the assets to the big institutions. But is it like allocation? Where, where, which yeah. part of the funds are going to be allocated where? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a big element. So we call mm. it like one acronym is mm. strategic asset allocation. So SAA, mm-hmm. um, and that's where you know of co- across all the different asset classes like glo- you know equities, so global and Australian mm-hmm. equities, uh, property, infrastructure, fixed income, private equity, currency. So we help um, the institutions look at their SAA and and different allocations over time and how to be al- adjusting. 
on behalf of people who are most probably listening to this podcast as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So the end, the end beneficiaries of our clients are um, just everyday people in the street. Mm-hmm. So tell us about the book and how it's going. You've had uh, some good feedback, I believe. Yeah, do you know, the book's been great. It's a really interesting process to go through writing a book as someone who uh, had never thought of writing one. But, you know, I, I spoke to my boss a couple of years ago and just said how um, I would like to have a shot at it. Just knowing the challenges um, regarding personal finance um, and having both retail and the institutional side and you learn from both sides. And I guess being really, I guess, frustrated in some cases and sad in some cases seeing, you know, people being pushed down the wrong direction um, through bad information or some people being scammed. And I thought, well, rather than sort of just whinge about it uh, or, or, and complain, um, do something about it. And I thought a book's the right medium uh, in terms of being a nice balance. It's a few hours read um, for a lifelong topic or important topic and a good balance between you know a 30 second tiktok video and and years of formal study so mm. uh, so that's why i wrote the book yeah so look i didn't actually put this in the questions but i, I forgot to ask and i want to ask you is about your running career and especially altitude running and what you did in the sydney olympics just quick just quickly go through that for us please that's because it's a great story yeah yeah sure i mean I, the book kicks off um at 2400 meters altitude Mm. Um, in the Rift Valley and talks about the, the Kalenjin people in the Rift Valley in Kenya, where you have arguably the most concentrated sources source of elite athletes in the world, um, in this case, middle distance running. And uh, I tell the story because it's a, it's a good lesson in terms of, you know, realizing that things like, well, sport comes down to balancing a few factors rather than trying to find the secret to one, you know, one secret. And likewise, with, when it comes to personal finance, uh, and financial independence, rather than relying on one secret thing like just being an investment guru or just earning a big income or saving um, everything you've got, it's actually a balance of lots of things. Mm. Now, and that's and that's where the, your question about my sporting career, and I use that word carefully, but I got there because I was had this sort of challenge. I gave this challenge to myself to try and get to the Olympics, and I had, I want to be super clear. I actually didn't get there, but I remember being in the Circle of the Key when the Sydney Olympics was announced, and I thought it was seven years. So it was 1993 and I thought I'm going to go for you know I've got seven years to train for it I'll catch the bus out to the to the final if I get there and um and I went on this challenge and fell short I I went to the trials four weeks before the Olympics started but it was an amazing journey and included getting to uh, the Rift Valley and training at the national training camp with the Kenyans yeah Oh, there's plenty of sporting analogies in this business isn't it yeah so let's go through the four steps take us through the four steps of the book yeah, so I mean, the subtitle of the book is, you know, Four Steps to Financial Independence. So the four steps are earn more than you spend and then invest the rest well over time. That's not spend less than you earn? Uh, no. Yeah, I know, that's a, yeah, that's a yeah. subtle difference, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I, um, I, I wanted to, because I want to be, you know, it's more positive in terms of just if you, if you really want to spend, just make sure you're earning more than, than what you're spending. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, I derailed you there. <laughs> yeah, no, no problem. And, and then, uh, you know, step three is plan for property. Which, you know, I wish it wasn't there, but in Australia, just the nature of the property market here and the cost of it, that we do need to plan for it. And then step four is cover risks, which sounds a bit boring, but you can do all the best things in the world. But if something unexpected happens, it can bring your whole work and effort undone. So that's why I cover that. Mm. And, um, you know, I call it the world's shortest and simplest financial plan, um, you know, because it's so short, 16 words. 
and happy to you know happy to go through the steps or you know as you see fit yeah let's go through the steps one by one yeah yeah sure yeah. so earn more than you spend well you got to include earning because that's our our ability to earn is our biggest asset our biggest lifetime asset is our ability to earn income because in the book you actually describe how much you are worth as an asset and most people don't think of themselves as an asset class really do they yeah i mean it's a little yeah. bit um corny way to look at things but you know from a finance perspective we forget that you know, when we start out, and you know, we, we leave home and we're starting out and we feel like we're at our poorest mm. and we forget that we have the biggest asset, the ability to earn an income. And it's, it's pretty powerful and it's worth millions. Um, and the book goes through why it's worth millions. And it's just important to be utilizing. So, you know, kicking off, earning a good income. I talk about, you know, I, I like the ideal of you know, doing something we love and you never work a day of your life. But initially, sometimes you just got to take, uh, you know, whatever jobs that are coming mm. um, to start, kickstart that that earning ability. And then step one, part of it is, you know, earn more than you spend. And that's important because you need to be, while we can earn now, there comes a state, we call it human capital or sweat capital, our ability to earn. But the reality is that at some stage, we can no longer sweat. Meaning that people don't want our sweat because we're not adding value that people want later on in life. We may not want to sweat. Our sweat no may no longer be valuable. And so we just need to diversify away from our reliance on earning. And that's why the we need to be saving a little bit. So spending less than we earn. And then the second step is funneling that savings into investments. And there's a distinction there because it's invest well. And the book goes through investing well as opposed to just investing. And then the other important element is over time because uh, you know, investing well over a month is, is fantastic, <laughs> but it's a little consequence. We just need to, to string you know, year after year after year, which is doable, absolutely doable, but we need to do that over time because that's when mm. the, the big uh, advantages kick in. Step three, you know, I mentioned it. I wish it wasn't there, planning for property, but in Australia, we do need to plan for it. And there's a lot of, there's actually some good tools out there in terms of to help us. You know, there's, there's lots of different uh, government initiatives. Um, even in the last budget, there was some, you know, a lot of focus on, um, you know, making affordable housing, which they, the government realized they need to put a lot more effort into that. And then step four, as I mentioned, covering risk. So there's two elements of that the covering risk, there's a short, smaller risk that can happen like, when we least expect it, it could be a broken down car or a, we're going to replace computers or fridges and stuff like that. And we need to be ready for those so through emergency funds. And then there's the, the bigger risks that can have long-term impact, like you know, not being able to work um, earlier while we've still got career in us. Um, and that could be really devastating. So, um, and also ensuring big assets as well, because big expenses can absolutely throw your, your financial planning out. And mm. um, hence, mm. hence the chapter on that. And then the book um, wraps up with the fifth section, which just brings it all together and talks a little bit more about sort of, I guess, mindset as well around money. So this is the kind of thing that um, someone going to a financial planner would be discussing or hopefully would be discussing with a financial planner. But do you believe that they're actually getting this kind of good distilled wisdom or are they just looking for an answer and say, okay, we'll just hand everything over to you, look after us? Yeah, great question. I, I, do you know there's well, there's a few things in that. Firstly, you know, advice is great, and but it's it's going to be harder to come by because a lot of advisors have left the industry for all different reasons. I can't believe it. So I think it's less than fifteen thousand advisors for the whole of Australia. Yeah, at this it's about point that number. Time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I know a lot of advisors, and and uh, you know, they've got waiting lists, and they just can't see everyone. So the book, in a way, prepares people 
for later in life when they need, you know, things are more complicated and they want to go and see a planner. In some ways, the book sets them up so that when they see a planner, that the planner doesn't have to go and deal with the more fundamental things, mm. you know, that you're aware of what you're spending, you know, you're aware of what you, where your super is. And I liken it to a Sherpa. Like, you know, if you're climbing to Everest and you're starting from, from sea level, initially you don't need a Sherpa. I mean, you just do the work yourself. You do, you know, you read the book and you, you do the work yourself. And at some stage, things become more complicated or difficult and you need a guide in an advisor, but you don't necessarily need it the whole way. You had to get um, permission from friends of the podcast, Warren and Charlie, we know who we're talking about there. For Is that for quotes in the book? Was that why you had to get in touch or what was the story? Yeah. Do you know, um, I was a total novice to writing a book, but the, the rules in Australia, the copyright rules are, are really strict relative to mm. some other countries. Yeah. And so you need to write out to every person, get permission and in a certain format to get permission. Mm-hmm. And I got, it was about, you know, over 20 to write out to Gloria uh, Steinem, Jim Carrey, uh, the, the producer of Kenny, and also Warren and Charlie. <laughs> I could get through everyone through either social media or get their email address, but you can't get Warren and Charlie's. In fact, if everyone, if any of your audience want to go and check out Berkshire Hathaway's website, um, mm-hmm. it's something like something from the 90s. Um, <laughs> and I just couldn't find an email address. So I found the address in Omaha, Nebraska. And so I had to go and get a stamp, an old school, you know, snail mail and mm. write out. And I, it was during COVID and I didn't know if I'm going to hear back from them. But I got an email from Warren's assistant, who was lovely, and we sorted Warren out. But I was told that I need to write a personal letter to Charlie, who's in California. Mm-hmm. So, and I said, listen, can you give me an email address? Otherwise, this is going to take months going back and forth. And you, finally, you, you, should, I got you both. should have had some copy paper in between and said, when you were typing it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could have two copies at once, you know, On the, my the, old old cop- the old copy and paste. Yeah, my old typewriter. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, uh, so I finally got, got permissions and uh, Joe and I, I, the person I couldn't get was Jim Carrey. Couldn't track him down and I'd love to and I'm still on the hunt. So, so watch out, Jim. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. So you focus on some of the mistaken beliefs that hold people back. What are the three common investing fallacies? Yeah, so I include, there's a whole chapter on Invest 101, which deals yep. with the fallacies. And I threw them in because I've mentioned that investing is such an important element. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the three, and, and I wanted to ensure that anyone that didn't feel comfortable wasn't investing to, to get over some of the typical um, misunderstandings. Yep. And it's, the first one is investing is easy. And I used Charlie Munger's quote. He's got a great quote. Um, he's in his late 90s now and, and you know Warren Buffett's partner. And he's a pretty blunt sort of person. And he said, the, the quote is, you know, anyone that thinks investing is easy is stupid. And I put that out there because it's arguably the most competitive field in the world. And maybe your audience can write in and, you know, test that and suggest other competitive fields. But, you know, from what I, I and I get to see these smarts that come and visit in our office because investing attracts the smarts, you know, money attracts smarts. Mm. It's a real challenge and an intellectual challenge. And so it attracts lots of smart people. And I wanted to, I guess, um, 
put that in there. In I use the analogy. It's like trying to getting on a horse, thinking it's a, a Shetland a docile Shetland pony, but you're getting on a wild Brumby. Mm-hmm. And wild Brumbies can be great. They can take you long distances. It can be hell of a ride. But if you're thinking you're getting on a Shetland pony, you're going to be thrown off straight away and it could be a lifelong injury and you'll never get back on. So I wanted to deal with that fallacy. The second is that investing is not for me. And I throw in lots of different excuses that people have, like I don't have the background, I don't have the smarts, it's too complicated, it's too confusing, it's too boring. It's only for rich people. <laughs> it's only for rich people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I try, to, I, think, I try to think of everything because we happen to live in a time when the excuse is no longer irrelevant and we can throw out a lot of the complexity. So it doesn't matter about your background, you can invest. In fact, people are investing through their super. Uh, and then the third one is that investing is too hard. And I want to deal with that because to my earlier point that we live in a time where you can throw away a lot of the complexity. And so investing is more accessible. And I think your opening line you know, that I mentioned is more accessible, never been cheaper, more accessible, easier and more effective. So someone coming to markets for the first time or coming to investing for the first time, where would you suggest they start, especially if they haven't got a lot of money? Yeah, well, and I want to, it's interesting what you said in coming to investments for the first time. One thing I want to point out, uh, because I I spoke to a lot of young people who read the book and a lot of them said, oh, we're not investors. And I said, well, are you in superannuation? And they were. And I said, well, you're an investor. And, and I make that point clearly because people can spend, you know, the, you know, years thinking I'm not an investor when they are. And it's interesting that we're in a situation because of the Australian super system that teenagers who are working and starting to earn super are often accessing a far more sophisticated investor than often their, than their parents mm. or even so-called sophisticated investors like the formal definition of a sophisticated investor. And the amazing thing is that neither the, the teenager, the parents or the sophisticated investors actually know this. And so just wanted to throw that out there. No, that- no, no it's, it's, a good, it's actually a good point because that's the thing is we are all investors and it's good to, to look at super that way because I, kind of, I think it just changes your mindset when you realise, well, okay, maybe I am an investor and that's what a lot of people just need to have that little switch thrown yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. So, you know, people go, oh, I'm not invested in property. Well, actually, you are through super. Um, I'm not invested in blockchain technology. Well, you are through super because a lot mm. of the big organizations are taking on this, using this technology. Some are invested in some form of private equity that we as individuals could never access. We're invested in infrastructure, infrastructure. projects yeah. that none of us could access. Even the wealthiest in- individuals in Australia couldn't access. Mm. Mm. Uh, and so, and, and I think it's also valuable for for them to understand that these are what are called asset classes, and what these asset classes mean. And yeah. you know, hopefully, they will move not in tandem with each other during yes. market ups and downs. Yeah, and, mm. and that's the the job of the portfolio managers and the chief investment officers to be working all that complexity out on our behalf. Mm-hmm. And I meet these people, and they're super smart. And you're consulting with them as well. <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah. And, and you know, we get to see the smarts, which is a real advantage. You know, that to to have comfort of mm. how that is being invested, doing accessing stuff that I can't as an individual access. But there's also a chapter investing outside of super. You know, these days we've got to be careful in terms of pushing people in certain product directions. Yeah. But I, I, I go through the different main investment classes and talk about ETFs in terms of, you asked about the starting point. You know, ETFs is a innovation that... People from a few generations ago couldn't have even imagined. Mm. And it's allowing us to access thousands of different investments and not having to do any of the research. 
all the complexity is taken care of by the provider. And we access it for a few cents every $100. And you may have spoken on podcasts about the, the core satellite concept where you, know, you have a core investment and then outside of that, if you want to, you don't have to, you have your little investments. So going back to your question, a core outside of super ETFs, um, you know, everyone would advocate, anyone with not, you know, good knowledge advocates it. Warren Buffett. You know, he says... Well, you- certain types of ETFs, let's say, be clear, uh, clear about this. Yeah, thanks, Phil. Um, so I'm talking about index ETFs as a core. Mm. So index ETFs, which... And I, the reason why I say that is there's transparency. You know what you're investing in. And they're well-known um, providers that are reliable. And so, yeah, yeah, good good distinction. But, you know, Warren Buffett talks about it. You know, if, you, if you're not interested... Unless you're super interested in, in, in Berkshire Hathaway... He keeps saying index ETFs. So I love the part about Sir Isaac Newton. I'm a big fan of physics. And, you know, he was the inventor, I guess, the, um, he defined classical physics and he revolutionized optics. And, um, but he was, a, and he was a good investor. He was also, a ta- you know, he was a tax collector as well. Didn't know that. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> if you look into Isaac Newton, he loved collecting taxes. I mean, and he was an alchemist as well. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, an interesting yeah. character. An yeah, interesting character. But he was a good investor and then he wasn't a good investor. Tell us that story. Yeah, yeah, I threw that in there because, you know, we know him as being a pretty smart guy. I think he's rated as, they think he's top five smartest mm. of all time. But he, he excelled in the field of physics where you know there's reliable rules in physics and then when you switch into investing there's not fully reliable rules because it's a chaotic system because humans are involved and Mm. when humans are involved there's emotion and so while he had his iq you know very high iq he wasn't prepared on the emotional side i think with the investing i didn't get to interview him on it but um but he you know there's this great story about the south sea company so in 17 in the early 1700s where it, it received so much attention. It wasn't earning any revenue, but there was a real mania about it because of the, the, the opportunity down the track. And he invested in it and he saw that people were just pushing the price up and he got out and he made 100% profit. So millions apparently in today's dollars. Mm. And then he watched it continue to go up higher and higher. And he had this massive dose of, of FOMO, of missing out. And so he got back in and he got back in at the, at the peak and then it just collapsed. And he lost all his original money or profits. And, and it absolutely totally upset him. Apparently, no one could mention South Sea Company in his, <laughs> in his presence. And it's where I think the phrase came, or his supposed quote was that, you know, he can calculate the, the movements of heavenly bodies of stars, but he can't calculate the madness of people. Um, and so it, it scarred him for the rest of his life, that, that one investment. So this kind of leads into compounding, really, because you describe it as a, the most powerful force in the, in the universe, or others have called it the most powerful force in the universe. Um, so t- tell us about compounding. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, again, I throw that in as well, um, because it is such an important element to investing. And the interesting thing about compounding is that it's just not intuitive. Like for the, even the smartest of people, it's not intuitive because of its power. And when we talk about compounding, we're referring to on a finance sense, the earning of on your principal, on your original mm-hmm. investment, earnings on that, plus earnings on the principal and the earnings and the earnings year after year after year, which compounds and becomes, you know, the most powerful force in the universe. Mm. And, you know, I tell a story about a king and a servant and a chessboard and a, and a grain um, of wheat. And it tells a story about uh, how the servant saved the king's son's only son's life. And the king was eternally grateful and said, 
you know, you can have whatever reward you want for saving my son's life. And this servant, pretty cluey guy, he thought he was suspicious about the king's ability to actually back up on and agree to a request. So he said, listen, all I want is a chessboard and some rice, to, sorry, wheat to fill the, the chessboard with wheat. And the king thought, well, you know, what a, what a foolish servant I've got. No wonder I'm king and he's a servant. Mm-hmm. And he said, absolutely, I'll, I'll deliver on your, your request. So he handed it over and the servant said, no, I, I want you to, to fill it out. All I want you to do is put a grain of wheat on the first square and double every subsequent squares uh, over the 64 squares. And the king said, sure. He got another servant to do it, dish it out. And the king was thinking, you know, again, what, how foolish my servant. But then at some stage into the fourth row or the fifth row, he started to realize, actually, this is going to be a lot of wheat. And then he realized there's not enough wheat in his whole kingdom to deliver on this request. And the figures are, so it's the total grains of wheat is 16,500 quadrillion grains of wheat. So a 20-digit um, figure. And it just exemplifies, it's a, it's a story that exemplifies that it's not obvious. And I related the 64 squares to our long-term investing. Mm. And that if you've been investing for the first row for the first eight years, it's not going to feel significant. It's guaranteed not to feel significant, even in the next eight years, even the next. And so just be patient with it, put the money in and let it do its work. And to really try and dissuade people from getting frustrated and starting off afresh on square one, mm. just let it do its work and, and, uh, and, it, and the magic kicks in. So have you got any um, stories? The book's full of lots of great stories and anecdotes. Share a couple of your favorite ones. Yeah, I mean, I threw lots just to, you know, personal finance can be sometimes dull, but actually there's, there's heaps of, there's amazing mm. stories um, when it comes to money. And, and we're actually seeing a lot of them pop up in, you know, in documentaries and series on Netflix. You know, you've got the, the Tindler Swindler, mm. um, the Fire Festival that never happened, Anna Sorokin of Inventing Anna fame. So there's lots of great stories and, and I threw some of them in the book. One of the interesting ones was... I speak about scams and how to you know try and avoid them, and I talk about the original Charles Ponzi, but also the biggest Ponzi scheme of all time, which concerned Bernie Madoff. It's an amazing story because Bernie Madoff was you know hugely respected in the in the finance industry, and people were stumbling over to give him money. But it was as we all know now, it was a big the biggest Ponzi scheme of all time. So, you know, he's taking money from new people and giving it back to existing investors to keep the scheme going. Mm. He told his sons who didn't even know about it. They worked in the business. They didn't know about it. And uh, they were obliged to actually tell on him. So the FBI picked him up. And the whole the New York and, and the finance industry were totally shocked that this guy was, was scheming. Mm. And I tell the story of there was a professor 3,000 kilometers away in Colorado who was particularly shocked because it was a guy called Professor Stephen Greenspan who had just published a book on avoiding scams. And what shocked him when it was the fact that he was actually invested in, in Bernie Madoff, um, his scheme. And so with, with great humor, he, he, he wrote a, a, an article later um, saying how I got scammed by Bernie Madoff. Um, so it's, and I, I throw that story in because it just shows that, you know, as humans, we, we are vulnerable um, to these things, even the people that are experts on it. And so I just, um, you know, really try and get people to exercise caution and have a bit of a framework around how to do that. 
So you've got some pretty heavyweight testimonials for, for the book. And um, how did you get Howard Marks, Morgan Housel and William Bernstein, who are like, what, Djokovic, Federer and um, Nadal, recommending a tennis player? So how did you go about getting those sort of testimonials? Uh, they are, yeah, there's some, in, in the financing world, they're not necessarily well-known household figures, but in the financing writing world, mm. um, you know, they're, they're, they're big figures in the US. And um, yeah, I, I, I just reached out to them through social media, yeah. um, or for, sorry, for, um, for Morgan Housel and William Bernstein. And I, I just sent them the first 500 words and they must have enough uh, inquisitive minds where they read it and they thought, this is interesting. And they were happy to, to look at it and um, wrote some lovely words. And, and Howard Marks did a, a personal video as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he wrote some long feedback. And, uh, it was really touching because, you know, as, as you say, it's like uh, getting Federer, Nadal and Djokovic to have a look at your, your poor tennis form. Um, <laughs> and, and so it was nice. Yeah. So what did they say? Just, um, just tell us one of the nice things. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I mean, on the front of the book is uh, from Howard Marks. You know, everyone can benefit from reading this book. Um, great, great testimonial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why it's on the front. I mean, I knew it's funny. There's another Howard Marks who's uh, who, uh, Mr. Nice. So some people are familiar with. Oh yeah, I read the book. I remember reading the book years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's uh, sadly he's no longer with us, so I couldn't get his testimonial. Yeah, um, but, it's uh, not quite the business we all want to be in. No, no. <laughs> people can search that one up. Um, but but not not everyone knows about Howard. But uh, you know he's. He actually, Warren Buffett's written only two testimonials for people, Jack Bogle and, and Howard Marks for their books. So it had to go to the front. So how can listeners find out more about you and about the book? And I guess it's available in all good bookstores. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so you can access it on normal, you know, Amazon and Booktopia and, and the like. Uh, there's also, uh, you can access it if you want a signed copy through the, the actual book's website. So Mission Possible Book dot com dot au mm-hmm. um, if you want to stay in touch uh there's a newsletter i only do it once a month i just think there's, there's so much noise out there i try and keep it short and just once a month for those that want to follow and you know i can leave a um a discount code for for listeners if they want a, a discount on a, on a signed copy oh okay can you tell us that now the discount code or do you need to work it out no no uh yeah um, so for anyone that um wants to access a signed copy of the book they can go to the website mission possible book com.au and if they'd like the, a discount um, you can put in the discount code early discount one word yep and we'll put all those links in the episode notes and the blog post as well so you can find them uh, a lot easier David Scullin thank you very much for joining me today thanks Phil it's been uh, really great to speak to you if you found this podcast helpful please tell a friend especially if it's someone who needs to start thinking about investing for their future you'll be helping them and helping me to keep this show on the road Shares for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Shares for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. And thank you for listening to my podcast. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.